Hey, y'all. Welcome back to a Tuesday, March 29th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I am coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. On today's show, Orlando Magic coverage. Yeah, all things Orlando Magic uh, here to kick things off before we get into our NFL coverage with uh, Mr. Evan Swartz and Dalton Miller. But yeah, it was uh, it was really great to have Beyond the RK on this uh, on this very podcast, his first time appearing on the podcast to talk about uh, Markel Fultz, Wendell Carter, uh, early Franz Wagner, uh, Jalen Suggs returns, how Jamal Mosley has changed things this year in Orlando, um, Jonathan Isaac's future there, um, just a lot of guys in Orlando, a lot of youth and uh, where they're going. So great conversation with him. So go check out his work and Substack and all of that good stuff as he covers the Orlando Magic. And then of course, uh, enveloping the NFL with Evan Swords and Dalton Miller, where we talk all things NFL, the Niners, Jimmy G, um, the Falcons' talent and lack thereof, the dearth of talent on the Falcons roster. It's pretty, pretty bad. It's, it's going to be one of the worst Falcon seasons uh, in a long time and easily in my adult life. So not really looking forward to that. Uh, Kevin Burkhart getting promoted to the number one spot on Fox. Great story there and why him and Greg Olson are actually pretty awesome. And this is good news for Fox. Uh, the Giants shopping Barkley, um, the Panthers options at quarterback, and then uh, overtime proposal with the Titans and where that's going and all that good stuff. So jam-packed uh tuesday march 29th edition here on the chase thomas podcast um that you guys will like don't forget folks you can watch this very program oh yeah youtube.com type in the chase thomas podcast hit that subscribe button that easy that simple do it today it would be great so you can watch us not just listen to us if you'd rather do that um if you're not already go ahead and hit that subscribe button on apple podcast spotify or wherever you get your podcast but if you're already subscribed and you love this podcast but you have not already done so, please, please, please make sure you leave this show a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Tell people why they should listen to the show, why you listen, and help other people find it so this show continues to grow. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Chase Double underscore Thomas. Like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Sports Renaissance Man, that's me, sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Type in your email, that's simple. And then, of course, the headquarters, the HQ, Chase Thomas Podcast. Dot com. All right, Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back here on the Monday night edition here on the Chase Thomas podcast, where I am joined by Dalton Miller down in his slayer. I don't know what I'm mm-hmm. calling it slayer because it's like a combination of lair and just the the metal band slayer because you got the red going on behind you. I just feel like you're. You're in a cool punk rock metal dungeon at the moment, but it just went blue. So I don't really know. Dalton, how are yeah, you? It, it goes a little bit of blue, a little bit of red. It, it does uh-huh. both. I got a sombrero. Oh, wait, wrong side. I got a sombrero <laughs> up there. Um, uh-huh. So Where'd I, you get I, that? I, um, I don't know. It's just decorative. Okay. I don't know. My mom used to show horses, so it probably comes from somewhere. In wait, what does that mean? Show horses. Um, so like you get a pretty horse. Uh-huh. and you literally go show I, I don't know it was before my time it's I, like competing it's still competing yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's like it's just like a dog show yeah they go and show they'll they'll like spin them around like really really fast okay. um and do stuff like that um some like minor tricks a, as well but yeah they oh. used to do that so i got some i got some stuff like that there's there's bullhorns right over top of that um that you can't see and there's boots beside it listen right i live in southern pennsylvania uh-huh. where there's nothing but but woods and farms so that's yeah. uh 
that's what I grew up around. Are you a hunter? I, I you know, I am. I, or at mm-hmm. least I call myself hunter. I haven't hunted in like five years. It's just uh-huh. too time consuming. It's right in the yeah. middle of football season. So it's a whole weekend. It's not something you can just do and just get out there. Like it's a whole weekend. It's a whole yeah, weekend plan. It's, it's a lot of time and it's really yeah. cold. And since I moved down to Texas, I just, I can't do the cold anymore. What about fishing? Love fishing. Love fishing. Yeah. We, we we take a week every single year, uh, go down to Virginia, Chincoteague okay. Island, and uh, we uh, we fish there all week. I, I wake up, start drinking beer on the pontoon <laughs> boat, and mm-hmm. I take all my meetings out there. I'll write articles yeah. out there while I fish. Um, yeah, it's a, The Wi-Fi is okay, so you're able to send it in. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just do everything um, from my hotspot. Hot yeah. yeah, there you go. That's not a bad deal. Maybe that's what I need to do. Just buy a pontoon boat and just full. I mean, I work at home, so maybe that's what I just do. I just house boat. Oh, man. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. What's up, Evan? How are you? Good. You know what's funny listening Mm -hmm. to you talk about that, Dalton? My dad uh, raised championship Appaloosa horses in Kansas. No way. He he lived in Tustin, uh, California, which is like SoCal, Orange County. Uh Um, grew, Grew up there, went to high school there. And then, like, they, basically moved to a farm in Kansas, raced horses. Uh, like I was like this, this close to like living to that, that life. Yeah. My dad, like on a whim decided to like follow a buddy of his to Portland, Oregon for, for a job and just ended up here. But like, yeah, I mean, that was like, my dad was very country, like grew up playing baseball, raising horses. Me too. Yeah. Big baseball guy, big baseball <laughs> yeah. guy here. That's so funny. Like, can you imagine Evan Dalton, like, as a just a <laughs> Midwestern country man? Like, that he's so anti um, being out in the open, getting anti fresh outdoors. air. Yeah. Like, can't stand can't. it. I haven't, I haven't opened these windows in like six months. Really? No, just, no I haven't. I'm not an uh, open window guy in the house. I don't like that. It, if I'm paying for AC or I'm doing the whole AC thing or in the car, yeah, absolutely. I, it, I don't like the windows being open. That it drives me nuts. I'm My not a wife fan. always wants the windows open when we're driving. And I'm like, listen, it's 25. Oh, I have hair. Like, yeah, the hair just gets all up in my face at that point. If I don't have it long enough to, to pull back into a man bun, there's no way that I'm going to want to put the windows down in the car. Is that a female to thing to want the window down? Because my no. sports Renaissance woman's like no. that. Okay. I don't think, I don't think it's no. just a, a, no. a female thing. Women, okay. most women will like fight you if you roll the window down because, huh. because it messes their, their hair. hair up. You see, that's yeah. exactly how I am. It messes my hair up. I can't be doing yeah. that stuff. Yeah. yeah. If I your tra- last, yeah. Go if ahead. I tried to roll, if I, if I tried to roll the window down with my, with my girlfriend in the car, she would stab me. Really? It's okay. that bad. Well, yeah, you know, a lot of effort goes into doing the hair. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Dalton, what was your last haircut? Um, I mean, I get my hair trimmed up. My my mom's shop is literally right beside me, so I get I get it trimmed up around the neck and everything. Um, okay. I actually got my hair cut like six months ago. Um, I cut the the top and the sides. Uh, I'm letting grow out, so I'm letting it all grow out now. Uh-huh. Originally, it was just really long up top. Um, and I would just pull that back, but you know, moving to a, another country, I'm living in a surfing town. I'm just going to try to grow it out super long and see how that goes and see if I like it. And if I don't, I'll just go back to this kind of haircut. Can you surf? I mean, I'm in the very beginning stages mm-hmm. of knowing how to surf. I can get on a wave, um, yeah. and, and I can stand up, but I would like how to long? get good. <laughs> I would Dalton like to is- get good. Dalton is planning on moving to Portugal, my friends. He yeah. Will, he will be surfing with the best mm-hmm. of them. Very Actually, much. I'll be there in about a month. Yeah. 
how packed are you? Are you ready? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I've, I've been ready. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm but itching. are you, are I'm you ready for me to come visit you? That's yes, absolutely. I'm ready for all the people to come visit. <laughs> oh, let's all go. Let's do the chase on podcast live from Portugal. The sports would love live, it. Live yeah. from a beach. Yeah. Oh, I'll do it. Yeah. You guys seen that podcast, but outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love that. I like it. Can you speak Portuguese? Are you at all ready for the I mean, language change? Very little. There's actually okay. not a real language barrier. Something I've figured out from traveling traveling a little bit is that yeah. everybody outside of the United States speaks English. Huh. Um, and, you know, a lot of them speak English as well as I do. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it's really not that big of a deal. I, I do know a little bit of Portuguese and we're going to continue to learn it. Um, mm-hmm. It's something that we want to do. So we'll we'll figure it out. There you go. The only language I know doesn't matter. Uh, I took four years of Latin in high school and two in college. So there's not really a lot I can do there. If I could do it all over again, I would have done Spanish. That was a mistake on my part. Mine too. Mm -hmm. That would have been super beneficial. But, um, you know, hey, root words. Yeah, if you ever need me to figure, you want to know a definition (laughs) of a word, you give me 37 seconds, I might be able to parse through that that word for you. Um, Evan Swords, how are you? How was your week? Doing doing well, man. Doing well. What's on your shirt? Oh, it's a anime. Okay, is it Dragon Ball Z? What am I looking at? This Demon Slayer. Uh, okay. Yeah, you know, I obviously just recently into anime, and I saw this. So I just absolutely yeah. love love this character. It was like this guy's dope. I want to see if they have like any like, uh, you know, like I just had to buy some stuff. So yeah. Oh, what is that? Nice. It's a little. It's a, you know, it's a little. What doll. am I looking at? So he's like. He's like in a charging, fire. yeah, and it's fire, and it's kind of like a dragon head, yeah, like coming out. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is, so the Chase Thomas podcast, sponsored yeah, sponsored by Demon Slayer. You know, there you shout go. Out, shout out to Ring Goku. I like it, man. He's going all in, Dalton. Like mm-hmm. Evan is just becoming a big anime guy. I like this. Well, I mean, I'm just kind of a nerd in general, but you know, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, then you got, did you get the new tat? Is that uh, Titus's paw print on your arm now? Yeah, I did. There you go. Yeah, I got that uh, this about a week ago. So last, not this yesterday, but last Sunday. Um, yeah, really happy with it. Got his little TS, his little initials right here <laughs> under it, and uh, this is his actual paw print from when he passed. They did a little clay imprint of his paw. Which I thought was really, really awesome. And mm-hmm. oh, you didn't yeah. ask for them to do it. No, they no, just did it. I, oh, wow. I, I got That's... the. Um, I got his. You know, his ash, his cream. I got him mm-hmm. cremated. And I, you can't see a little of that uh, right next to my hand right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it just came with the cremation. And I was like, oh, that's thank God. You know, I was in no mental state to like be like <laughs> to be asking about that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I'm going to have to go get well, that way, gun with you, my dog now. Could you get me like a paw print? No, yeah. yeah, absolutely not. I was. Yeah. So that was really cool. And then, uh, yeah, I got to I got to dog sit my friend's little uh, long haired wiener dog this weekend, <laughs> which was, awesome. was so hilarious. Yeah. He's such a cute little dog. I'd be literally I'd be like, yeah, I was working the whole weekend and he would just like be like on the spine of the couch right here, just on this little cushion, just like a cat, uh. just like watching me. <laughs> it was great. There you go. Dalton, what kind of dog do you have? Uh, English cream golden retriever. Very, Ooh. very white golden retriever. Yeah. How are they? And, um, I mean, she's awesome. She's like yeah. the second best dog I've ever met. My My parents other dog is um, amazing it's been perfect forever but what kind of dog um, is that? uh it, it's she's probably a border collie and lab mix we're, we're not mm. really sure she was uh 
she was a rescue back in the day or, or real rescue. Um, she is the goat. She's the best mm-hmm. dog ever. We never even really had to train her. She was just perfect from the start. Um, okay. Yeah. Wild. Um, our dog just went through a, a two week boot camp. Um, <laughs> so she had to, uh, she was already my emotional support animal. Yeah. Um, and, but we did that five years ago. So we wanted to re up everything. So it was all good. So we could fly over with her when, when the time came. So is she going to be ready for the flight? Like, how does yeah, that work? Do they go? She's perfect yeah. now. Um, yeah. She Do they go under the plane? How no, does that no, work? She'll be with us. She'll Ooh. be with me. Yeah. No, we're not. I wouldn't. We wouldn't cargo her. Absolutely Hell not. No. Um, Hell we, no. <laughs> we were actually um, very close to chartering, not us alone, but being a part yeah. of a charter flight um, over to Portugal, which would have cost um, a lot of money <laughs> <laughs> to do, but worth it for her. But but hopefully, I mean, she'll be able to fly with us whenever we want to now. And nice. Portugal's super dog friendly. So we wanted her to be good anyways. So we could just kind of do whatever we want with her. Now we could just literally take her off leash and do whatever we wanted. And mm. she would be perfect. So I don't know how they did it. But What's her name? It's amazing. Luna is her name. It's a Luna. typical dog name. There you yeah. go. Luna's not bad. Luna's not bad. Um, there you go. Uh, well, let's move into some NFL stuff, guys. Um, there is some NFL stuff that we need to hit on on this very podcast. Mr. Swords, you're not cutting Jimmy Garoppolo. John yeah. Lynch won't do it. He Starting won't do it. quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo? Is that who you're talking about? Oh, man. What a uh, mess. How are you feeling? Like, the, I, John Lynch having to answer this? Like, there's no trade value. Like, th- when you get to the point where they're like, are you just going to cut him? Like, that's just like, oh. I, bleak. I get so like if you take emotion out of it and just look at it from a logical perspective yes i understand how you know the with the dead money right like like what it would happen if you cut him he's got to be worth something like they will eventually get some value for him i can understand doing that but like yo like the second training camp starts like he better be gone not because <laughs> i don't like him because i love jimmy and i think jimmy's a great quarterback but like yeah Trey Lance just deserves for the Jimmy Garoppolo yes. conversation to be gone and done. Yep. He need, he needs to walk into tra- training camp knowing that he's the guy, it's his team, and not have to worry about looking over his shoulder. You know, it's like those are some really cliche things to say, mm. you know, but it, like, I mean, really, he, you know, I didn't have a lot of starting experience in college. We all know this. We beat it over, you know, the head a million times. And I think he just needs to go into the season in the right mental state. And so, I, you know, for that, I, I can understand why he's still on the team right now, but uh, you know the Panthers better hurry the hell up. Oh, Panthers still. Well, they said they're looking to still add a quarterback. I just don't think it's going to be Carolina. I don't know. Dalton's shaking his head. What do you think? No, Dalton? Carolina will draft. They don't want to pay thirty-eight yeah. million dollars to Sam Darnold and Jimmy G this year. That would be what is Sam's not great. Kind of this year? Eighteen. Oh. Oof. I saw that he was the leader in the quarterback What's, room at the moment. They said that this week when I was like, that's, that's a thing to say on March 28th. Yeah, he's, his, on his, he's on his fifth year option. What's Oof. his dead money, dead money? It would be 18. It's, it's completely guaranteed that fifth year option. Yeah, it's, Wait, they're they're in a tough like situation. Like Darnold is there, like he's not going anywhere this year. No, oh. no, I, I think they I think they end up drafting Kenny Pickett. I, I know oh. I know Carolina is very very fond of Kenny Pickett, so it would well, be he measured his hands last week. It would yeah, it would be surprising for me to see him go at six, just because I don't think you should take a quarterback like that sixth overall, but. They need a quarterback, and I think that that's the only avenue for them to go. Plus, it might save Matt Rule's job for another season. But like, hey, hey, just hmm. give me, just give me until a second year, 
let me let me see what we can do with this kid. Um, so it might end up saving his job as well, even though he might not deserve it. Did you see that picture? The the NFL coaches picture today. Oh yeah, Matt Rule, a legend. Oh. That man just like someone yeah. I forgot who it was who tweeted like that he looked like he just came out of a Popeyes. Like yeah. that was no, just that, something. That's what incredible. he looks like all the time. Yeah, yeah, that is just man. He Matt looks Rule. like everyone's drunk uncle. Yes, and we all have that uncle. That that belly is going to take some work to get worked on, man. That's a it's a lot of time in the gym. It's a lot a lot to do. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what the Panthers do. They're a huge wild card, and I agree with you. Where I think quarterback in round one, but like Kenny Pickett that high would be would be high. I mean, have they been have they been linked to Malik at all? Like, do you think Malik Willis is an option for them there? I mean, if if he's available, maybe. But yeah. I've just heard that that David Tepper really really wants Kenny Pickett, so I don't know how that's going to go. Um, hmm. when when uh, owners are making decisions, it's never a good call. <laughs> um, especially when they're also the general manager. Um, yeah. But um, I will. I mean, we'll just have to see what happens with that. That'll be fun. What uh? What about Debo with Ev, uh with the Niners, Evan? What was that? They have enough money in the in the chamber for Debo. What were they talking about with him? So, you know, realistically, this is like some really niche, like 49ers <laughs> Twitter, like drama. Mm-hmm. Um, the reality is, and, you know, maybe Dalton can speak to like the Cowboys stuff. I think that I don't think the Falcons Twitter is anywhere near this, but like the 49ers Twitter, like really is like a high school. Like, I mean, I'm not joking. Like there are like, like significant, like people who like can drive a conversation that are just like seven-year-olds i don't know (laughs) and like i think you know like you know shout out to grant cone who is Mm -hmm. and just impeccably good at like driving the most ridiculous conversations and generating clicks i mean the guy literally gets racked out on youtube every month because of you know what he does he's good at it and you know honestly Mm -hmm. like you know he he works his ass off so no no judgment on what he does in his game that is an amazing sentence he gets racked out on youtube yeah listen and it's not my style but i respect the hell out of grant's style oh yeah always yeah like the reality is is when tyreek hill got traded Mm -hmm. the conversation was originally at its core just like would you take that for debo Mm. you know and i think that conversation then just delved into this (laughs) windfall of debo is going to get traded because we can't afford him yeah you know and i think that you know 49ers twitter is also not only bored in the offseason which most (laughs) fans are they're also desperate to not talk about jimmy garoppolo or hear about him so yeah i think the second they had the opportunity for the conversation to shift sure but yeah the reality is is like you know i said it this is how i said it in a vacuum Mm. would i take tyree kills trade uh package for devo yeah i think i probably would he had a couple injuries. He had a really good season last year, but you know, Kyle Shanahan as a whole, I think about Kyle's tenure with the 49ers. George Kittle has been that guy. Raheem Mostert has been that guy. And then this year, Debo Samuel's that guy, right? Every year, Kyle, you know, Kyle has a, a certain individual that really commands the majority of the offense. This year it was Debo. And the, you know, I Debo's an incredible player. I think he'll he could be that consistently again and again but brandon iu continues to get better right you know obviously george kittle is who george kittle is like i could i I think in in a vacuum yeah i could could see it happen i could i could see you know being like yeah okay but it'll never happen but what about his value does his value go down if trey lance is really good next year 
Like, does his value, how much does his value change not having Jimmy Garoppolo be just the placeholder quarterback and like the offense just going through Debo like it did this past year? Because if Lance is the guy, Debo's role has to change. He's still a Swiss Army knife, but I feel like, I don't know. So to your point, and I think it's actually really interesting. First and foremost, you might have forgot about Trey Sermon. I think most Mm. people have. Right. But like one of the things that people were really excited about before the season started is Trey Lance and Trey Sermon are like this like really, really perfect match for each other. The style mm-hmm. of running, you know, the, the run game and the style of running that Trey Sermon had really is, you know, very akin to the the style of play that Trey Lance, you know, ran at, at in college. And I think like people were really excited for that type of running back to be paired with Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. Um the reason why I say that is Debo really had the season that he had last year because of the injuries at running back, losing Raheem Mostert, um, Elijah Mitchell being very good sometimes, but then also kind of pretty bad at others. Um, you know, not having that kind of cemented running back position the way that they're used to. So I think that is kind of what made Debo have to do, to do that. And then, hey, you know, did he ever step up to the plate? Like, did you know, no one had a more exciting season than Debo Samuel last year, if you're asking me, even, you know, whatever. But I, yeah, to your point, I don't see Debo ever recre- recreating that ever again, not because he can't, but because they have a lot of weapons and now a very dynamic quarterback. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if he's not in the backfield for however many snaps he ended up, getting he probably has 10 to 15 more receptions and 150 to 200 more yards that's kind of the the way that it goes so if he's just playing more receiver he just plays more receiver i mean he still you know was about i think was like 10 yards per average when he caught and he had eight yards after the catch every single time um he led the league in receiving yards per catch and he's not even he wasn't even really a legitimate downfield threat for the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, that's just not really what their offense was with Jimmy G and it's going to have to change a little bit with Trey Lance just because he plays a different game. Um, But I would like to see him more as a traditional wide receiver getting out to those intermediate areas and, and as a deep threat, because I think, man, that's where Trey Lance can really fit the football into. Yeah. Hmm. Well, we'll see what happens there. I am. I'm curious to see what happens ultimately, but it doesn't seem good on the Jimmy Garoppolo front. Um, Dalton, anything new with your Cowboys? What uh, what's going on with them? Uh, the offensive line have some replacements. You got to take care of that. No, Amari Cooper. You locked up Gallup. What's mm-hmm. uh, what are what's Cowboys Twitter freaking about? Freaking out about in the last week? Uh, nothing. They're freaking out about Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones and the organization doing nothing in free agency. Um, they shouldn't be freaking out about it because this is literally just what we see every single year. They haven't paid more than $5.5 million annually on a contract in free agency since uh, Brandon Carr in 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, so they just that didn't go well. They, he was okay. It was fine. It was just a little expensive for what yeah. he the, the play was. And they haven't spent money on an outside free agent since. They just mm. not what they do. It's not how they want to build a team. They want to draft, develop guys, and pay those guys. Um, And then when they draft and develop and put guys through rehab and really, you know, defend them to the death, um, they try to screw them over on the contract and then they end up going to Denver. So that's just kind of the way that things are going in Dallas right now. Um, I I think you're going to see more Michael Parsons on the edge this year. Uh, But, you know, with the 24th pick, they've uh, that's a new one actually today, apparently, or yesterday. They said, yeah, we're, we're going to draft a guard. 
at 24. Huh. They pretty much, That's they what pretty they much said? went out and said it. Um, they, they were saying that they were focusing on the offensive line and would only take um, another position if there was like a, a, another C.D. Lamb type drop or a Micah Parsons type. They, they tried to say Micah Parsons type drop like they weren't going to draft uh, Patrick Sertan if he was available. Hmm. Um, so, you know, some hindsight GMing there from from Jerry. He yeah. made an incoherent statement today. <laughs> during the owners meetings that I couldn't even follow. And I listen to him every single week for my time at the radio station. And mm-hmm. I speak Jerryisms, um, <laughs> but this is one I, even I couldn't understand. So I think he what got is Jerryism? The, what does that mean? Like, how does he talk? That's oh, hard he to follow has these, for, yeah, he has these arc can mm-hmm. uh <laughs> analogies that absolutely nobody understands. So he'll, <laughs> he'll talk about circumcising mosquitoes and, um yeah it's uh he's an interesting dude um but i think he's starting to lose it a little bit Uh oh um well quickly you haven't been here since the randy gregory thing happened what explain what happened there is it like what what happened is it the cowboy's fault is it something that gregory did what what actually happened with randy gregory and why is he not um, a cowboy the the cowboys have language in some of their contracts most of their contracts saying like hey if you get uh suspended uh, for anything or, or fine for anything, we can uh, take away your guarantees in your contract. Mm-hmm. Um, did it with Lyle Collins. Uh, they've never actually enacted it. They they just kind of let it go. They they pay their guys their money anyways. It's just in there to say like, hey, if you really screw up, we'll, we'll take your money away. Um, yeah. And they do that with most of <laughs> or their else. contracts. But his agent, who is Lyle Collins' agent, didn't tell Randy about this until after they got the the actual written contract, and they said, "Oh, what's this?" When he knew, and this is this is me speculating about what mm-hmm. his agent did, but I think he knew. Didn't tell Randy on purpose, so then when this happened, he could say, "Oh, okay." By the way, agent lives in Denver, mm. so it was. Uh, I think a little mm. bit of. So a little bit of inside yeah. stuff going on there, but I'm happy for Randy. He, he got paid. I think he deserved to get paid. I think he's a fantastic pass rusher, um, and it's going to be really fun to see him chase now quarterbacks in the AFC West. I am curious because uh, I think you know as as much as I don't like to admit this because we are bitter bitter rivals. The 49ers and the and the Cowboys are really a very similar organization when it comes to free agency in the draft, mm-hmm. right? You know, over the years, you know, they're usually kind of a little bit more uh, interesting picks. And then sometimes someone will fall to them. We're like, oh, my God, we'll, we'll take that. Right. Uh, and then in free agency, you, you, every year fans are like, please, dear God, like, why not sign the big person? And they never do. Um, you have this opportunity, right, where Dak is, you know, Dak gets his contract. Uh, he's this very, you know, very high end quarterback but they lose a bunch of people. What is your best case scenario for the Cowboys and what's your worst case scenario for the Cowboys this season? Well, Assuming the no injuries. Yeah, the best and the worst case scenario is just what happened this year. They're going to win the bad division that they're in and probably lose in the first round. Maybe they win in the wild card round and make it onto the division round, but that's all it's going to be. Uh, they're a team that were, I mean, they were incredibly talented last year. They had a very, very good team. Um, ran into a, a buzzsaw. They weren't able to stop the front four of the San Francisco 49ers, um, and, and that was their downfall. Um, but they had a really good team, and then they went and blew it up when I thought they should have really attacked 
in free agency, tried to get a couple of the missing pieces, fix left guard um, and, and figure out right tackle. Um, but they did not do that. They wanted to go the opposite way. I think that they're kind of carving out space for next year when they have a new head coach and uh, they can oh. go go after it uh, once they get the new head coach because I don't necessarily think they want the one that they have around uh, mm-hmm. around very much longer. So you think this is it? The swan song for McCarthy? Yes. Yes. Oh. I, think, I think Dan Quinn will be the Dallas Cowboys head coach in 2023. Oh, wow. Do you, you think know, that was part of the deal for him to come back where it's like, hey, if you come back, like no hey, but they they yeah. wanted him back they they love him um well, the players love him is this it, a wade phillips 2.0 thing is this just wade phillips all over again well i'm mean, kind of i mean it's not yeah. the, the young hot shot i mean they they definitely wanted somebody with experience and he has that experience and he has the right. super bowl experience so they, they they're still getting what they want with him and kellen may might go i don't see kellen getting a head coach job still yet um but we'll see how this he's interviewed a lot man the fact that he hasn't gotten one yet is probably not the best sign um but um but we'll see that's interesting i you heard it here first folks dan quinn head coach of the dallas cowboys in 2023 i like it um the falcons front there's not really anything new it's just um there's no talent when there's just no talent anywhere and i just i love listening to different draft folks like i was listening to um the stock exchange with friend of the pod Trevor Sigma who was on last week and they did they were doing their live mock and they got to the Falcons and if you listen to any mock and you listen to them get to the point where the Falcons are picking it's like well they need anything so BPA whoever is here in the live mock is who we're going with because that's all they can do it doesn't matter like they can draft any position and it's like you could you could sell me on that there's no abundant overabundance of talent anywhere where you're like you can't do that you can't just double dip into that uh, position group no, it's like if Kyle Hamilton's there, take Kyle Hamilton. If Kayvon Thibodeau falls, take Kayvon Thibodeau. If Sauce Gardner is there, take Sauce Gardner. If X, if player X is there and you like is the BPA for that particular mock draft, they're like, just take him. Mm-hmm. And it's just very depressing because this season, I don't think Falcons fans are ready because like this is going to be the worst Falcons season in my adult life. And it's just the NFL is one of those leagues where it's like part of the reason that it's number one and will always be number one is like even the bat like the jaguars fans last year they're like yeah this sucks but at least we get to watch trevor lawrence every week and see if what happens here we have something to look forward to there is nothing to look forward to in atlanta this year it's going to be like houston from last year where they had the davis mills stopgap no talent anywhere they had some vets and it was like oh even if you win you're like this sucks like i don't i and um, I feel bad having this attitude about it because I'm like, this is not what I want to feel like going in. But that's what they've done. This Falcons offseason has yeah. been an unreal disaster that is the ramifications are just <laughs> they are going to be felt for a long time. And it just sucks. I might just like go all in on the Colts. So when you all see me in Colts merch all this fall, it's because it Julio and uh, Matt Ryan might both be in Indianapolis uniforms this fall and they can just be my. 2022 team but i just i'm so depressed about how awful this season's gonna be and i feel bad for mariota because there there are folks who are like mariota man he's he's a veteran he showed some stuff in that one drive in uh in that chargers game and i'm like yeah great mariota is like he could be fine there's no talent it's like there's no path to him succeeding in atlanta because he's gonna lose too many games like there's nothing he can showcase they're going three and 14 but Mm -hmm. so okay so 
what what we all is you know as an Oregon Ducks fan, as a mm. huge Mariota fan, here's like my path for him. Okay, there is no talent there. Mm-hmm. That he will not be winning football games, but yeah. you know, barring you know, hoping hopefully he stays healthy. Hopefully he can just show. Have you seen that, our offensive line? I understand that, but I'm saying. Have this you is seen like, Mariota stay healthy? I, this, oh. I'm just saying this is just. The We're hurting path Evan to, now. <laughs> to, this is just the path to how he can be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, you see more, right? He, I don't think he, he's had a small leash uh, ever since he's been in Oakland, right? He didn't get to really do anything. Not necessarily, you know, he'll be the starter. At the very least, he'll be the starter. That's all you can ask for. And hopefully he he's still. I didn't ask arm. for it, Evan. I didn't ask for Marcus Mariota in 2022 as my Atlanta Falcons quarterback. Well, I didn't who cares? Want who cares who's <laughs> your quarterback? I could go be your quarterback. You'll get the same amount of wins. It doesn't matter. You're Actually, trash. I think you're starting at receiver for them. You well, can't play I, I, back hand. Hold on. I, I've got we, small hands, so I think it's probably better that I play safety, which is fine. I can, yeah, you I'm, can beat out Richie Grant okay. from what we I've saw got last good year. Lateral, yeah. I've got good lateral quickness. Like, I really, yeah. So, yeah. But, um, you could beat out him in days of key. I, just, I think I, I, <laughs> I just hope that Mariota can show he's still really accurate. He still, yeah. you know, can maybe got some power zing in, in his passes. And then the next place that he goes can be. I am going to throw my TV out the window after the 19th check down to eliminate Zacchaeus on third and 12 and it's fourth and seven. And I just, I, I think I'm going to punt my TV into the sun. Like I, I just, I'm so, so annoyed. How do you feel about quarterback? No, no, no. Like I'm just, not going anywhere. It, in- just this class. You don't yeah, want this any- class. Okay. Well, it's not you even just this class, but I think, I'm kind of more like what Dallas does. Like I want to build the offensive line first. Let's the Jalen Mayfield situation is a mess. Like I want to readdress the offensive line, the defensive line. Let's, I want to start in the trenches and then we can talk quarterback. Now that Matt Ryan's gone and we ripped the bandaid off. Like we do not need to dive right just back. Suck, into it. Right. Yeah. Just, suck just for suck. a while and try to build. Yes. I, I listen. I, I am a fan of that way. Yeah. Of team building. What does, uh, what does the tight end? class look like who who, who could they take, uh at tight end uh even, round one yeah i was gonna no. say there's not really anyone who pops right who's the no. tight end one in the draft I, you know I what's mean, funny it, it might be isaiah likely it, may, it might hmm. be um oh have, i can't have you think his name. chase have, have you yeah have you uh kind of like made peace with the possibility that they could be taking a receiver having lost julio jones and calvin ridley Receiver where at eight? Yeah, Garrett no, Wilson, baby, Garrett no, Wilson. no, they better not. No, 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 no. no okay, let me put this. They no. Let's not talk no. about what I'll they be so what they should do. Let's and that's also talk. Calvin Ridley's fault. So if we go receiver at eight, then it's like the whole that Calvin Ridley situation hurts even more because we have to address receiver in round one. That's the other part of this offseason is that we now have to address receiver again because Calvin Ridley's out of the picture. Like, yeah. th- when I say this offseason has just been horrific for atlanta like there's just so many things that are the most atlanta things possible like the calvin ridley situation is the most atlanta things possible and yeah like we are going to have to take a receiver in round one soon i wouldn't want it to be this year because the receiver room sucks anyway and it's Mariota, so i'm not really concerned about surrounding him with a bunch of uh top tier wideout talent i just no i i don't want that i would like where I'm at right now is Sauce Gardner. Like I would still probably go double corner and just lock them down with AJ Terrell and Sauce Gardner for the next couple of years. At least you we got have Kate Hayward Jr. Though, yeah. Hey, 
and yeah. Isaiah Oliver's locked in. Yeah. Oh well, well we don't need mm. Isaiah Oliver, but uh, yeah. no, Casey Hayward Jr. Actually, I I, I wrote about when this. did he become junior? He did. He wasn't a junior coming out, was he? Didn't he add they, junior after? Some sometimes these guys add the junior or the second yeah. or the third afterwards. I don't try <laughs> to keep up. I just let them just whatever. Chad yeah, Steve Smith Chad became Johnson, senior later. Doesn't yeah. matter. Whatever you want to do. Um, but no, I, I thought Casey Hayward Jr. was a fantastic signing. I mean, and then everything went downhill in Atlanta. But um, he's a great scheme fit for what Dean Pease wants to do defensively. He wants to play zone coverage. He wants to play off. Um, and he's going to be really good on the outside there. They just don't have anybody to do anything else in that defense. Yeah. So I'm just like, at least have one good thing about our defense where I'm like, if you added sauce and then you have Hayward sauce, even if Oliver's your fourth and Terrell, at least I know I'm set at corner yeah. for a while at least i know that's locked down like that's something i you could talk me into that but we'll i don't know i have no idea what terry Fontenot's going to do based on this offseason it's been an abject failure and disaster and i'm very upset about all of it um kevin burkhart though promoted to the number one spot on fox what do y'all think about burkhart because i like him and it's he is maybe the luckiest man in broadcasting ever because he is going to call two of the next three super bowls because of the way the scheduling works so this man, like he just like, that's a great, like Joe Buck did him the all time great solid here leaving when he did, man, because I don't know. I I'm curious to see what happens if Greg Olson gets the bump. Cause I, uh, Olson called a couple Falcons games this year and I thought he was really, good. I thought, like, I thought Olson for, for being so new at it. I thought he's yeah. been fantastic. He's I great. Mean, so my, Kevin's call he has one of my favorite 49ers calls in recent memory. If you guys are familiar with the Saints Niners game in 2019 when George Kittle uh like got a first down with seven Saints defenders, like yes, I remember he was carrying him. That was Kevin, <laughs> that was Kevin's call. So that you know, I'm excited for just uh new at that position. Like I think it's mm-hmm. it's it's a position that really gets way too stagnant. Not that there's ever anything wrong, but like you know. I like the idea of new voices, yeah. uh, giving people new opportunities, switching things up. So I'm excited for it. For me, that's ESPN needed to figure it out. They, yeah. They've needed to figure it out forever. Um, but the only I, way to I, save I, Monday Night Football is to move it back to ABC. That's how you solve Monday Night Football. Is like as long as it's on premium cable and on ESPN, it just will not have the same gravitas. Like it won't have the same reach. But like you have ABC, just put it back on ABC. If you put well, just, Monday, Night, yeah. I mean, they just they haven't been able to figure out the broadcast booth yeah. in year, for years now. It's been terrible ever since Gruden left, really. And then, I mean, now we know what we know about Gruden. Yeah. But um, no, I mean, I, I think that this is good. And I think it's good because it, it, it has allowed ESPN to stop screwing up. Like yeah. Joe and, and Aikman, like I, Aikman's not my favorite. Uh, Joe, I prefer baseball, but I think he does a fine job in football. Just good, man. Yeah. Um, I think that he gets a lot of hate because of how he started because it was nepotism to get started. But, you know, he, he turned into a solid broadcaster. He put in the um, work. I just, yeah. And I just think that that new voices are, are always going to be a good thing until they're not. Um, and I think that that Burkhart, I, I hope, you know, Olsen goes up and, and gets to call those games, too, because I think he's really good. Burkhart man he's a good story because like i love reading stories like him where he was uh he was selling cars in jersey 20 years ago while chasing the the dream mm-hmm. he was doing both and like having to pay the mortgage like i love stuff like that where the dude was like i i gotta do whatever i gotta do to make it and i don't know i'm rooting for a guy like burkhardt mm-hmm. so good for him you don't um, need to root for him anymore 
That's true. That's true. He's there. He's there. He's locked I, in. I like it. Um, speaking of locked in, is Saquon Barkley locked in in New York? Purgatory? This is weird because I think it's always funny. Like I want to figure out who, where the rumors start, why they go away. And now the report is that Saquon Barkley is not actively being shot by the New York Giants. What I read that as is they went on the market and looked to see <laughs> what would you be willing to give us for a running back with uh, the injury problems that Saquon Barkley's had in his career and his age and everything else. And the league was like, um, we'll give you this Domino's coupon for $10 off um, you your next order. And I just, I don't believe that. I think that there was not a trade market for him. So the Giants like, I guess we'll keep him around because there's no really great trade option. That's my read. Is that, is that y'all's read? You know what I, I, I want to see? Mm-hmm. I want to see a new rule change where every team gets to ha- use this maybe like once every five years. If you tr- if you draft someone in the first round and they uh-huh. end up being an injury bust, the same way that like Bar- Barkley, where it becomes where it's no longer viable to pay him or whatever, that you can waive them at no charge and mm-hmm. the league will cover the dollar amount to pay the player. So both both parties win, and the player can reset and choose his own team. Because mm-hmm. in this situation, and similar to Jimmy, not that Jimmy's in, but like I don't like I would I want to see a, the NFL where Saquon gets to go. Okay, I just want to choose my team in the best possible situation for me. I want to see where Jimmy goes. I want to choose my team in the best possible situation for me. I don't want to deal with this like. Well, who's got the trade value, and who? In the well, maybe there's room. We'll wait to see if there's an injury. That like that's dark. Like that's terrible. Like I just would love to see something like that where you don't have to just sit back and wait. Like Saquon Barkley, I need to see him. Like I don't know where. Like if you could put him anywhere, where would you put him right now? Tampa Bay. That'd be cool. Paul Jones is out in Kansas City. I'd put him in Tampa. Tampa would be good. Uh, Denver would be another yeah. one with, yeah. with Javante Williams, so he wouldn't have to take the full load either. Oh, Miami as well. Miami, Miami would be. Yeah, Miami. Oh, Miami's the dark horse, right? Yeah. McDaniel, do you see that picture? I love the undershirt. He's got the tank top the that under- you can see no, through. Yeah. Oh, just a the, great yeah, look. He's got the wife beater underneath. Can, is that what the, can we even call him that anymore? Uh, yeah, I don't, don't, what, what is their actual is that taken name away? now? I don't know. I don't know if it was taken. I don't know what else to call I mean, it's that. It's a terrible name. I mean, the reality, reality. like, what do you call it? White tank top? That doesn't. You, you would call it like an under tank top, but even then, it's it is a wife beater. I mean, you should never beat your wife, but that's you know they haven't given that's us what an alternative. Been, they, we haven't given given an alternative. Do you know yes. what's crazy is like growing up where I did like I didn't realize put two and two together like what that actually meant. Like I didn't think about what I was saying. Like for years, you just grow up and you just you don't even think about it. And you it hits you one day. And you're like, wait a second what are we calling that? Why do we call it this? Like that's an, like, it's just one of those things you just say forever and you never actually think about like what it actually means. Um, yeah, I don't know. Let's look into that. Uh, right. Email us, chase podcast at gmail.com. If you know what we're <laughs> supposed to call this now, cause I have no idea. Um, I also don't wear them, so it's never really been Not a problem. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's also uh, one of those pieces of clothing that like is no longer worn. Right. Except for like places where it's probably like completely okay to say wife beater. Like I just wouldn't be, I would never trust someone like who's just pulling up in a white and the white tank. Like, let's just call it the, like, I'm not like, it's just weird. Like you're an adult and you're pulling up like that at any function. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm out. I'm, we're probably not going to 
probably not going to chill. Um, the winners and losers of the Tari kill trade. Now that you've had some time to think about it, to think about the like where what the package was, where the Dolphins are, where the Chiefs are, Dalton, who do you think actually will end up winning this deal, and who do you think will end up losing? Both of them will end up losing. Oh, um, I don't know. It, listen, I want McDaniel and Tua to be able to maximize what Tyreek Hill does. But the best Tyreek Hill is when we get the Patrick Mahomes broken play where he's scrambling around and chucks the ball 45 to 60 yards down the field. When when Tyreek has crossed the, the entire field, now he's going back the opposite direction. Like, yes, Tyreek Hill is still the most dangerous wide receiver in the NFL as just a regular traditional wide receiver. But that element of his game is going to be taken away a little bit. Now that only happens maybe once, twice a game tops. Um, but that's a, a three or four hundred yard difference on his season, most likely. Now he still also had a lower A dot than Devontae Parker um, and Mike Gusecki did. So he was getting the ball a lot around the line of scrimmage in Kansas City. They'll do that same thing in Miami. Was that because they cover two shell? Like just like what they were doing, they were like, "You're not be- taking the top off us anymore. We're just going to make you beat us underneath." Well, I mean, he's kind of been like that for the last couple of seasons. His A dot has continued to go and go down just because they want to get him the ball more often. Um, and they're going to do that. And they're going to use him. I, I say a little bit like Debo. They're not going to use him like Debo because he's not five foot ten, two twenty. He's five foot ten, one hundred and eighty five pounds. He can't yeah. take that beating, you know, down in and down out as a back. But they will hand him the ball off in the backfield. And they also have another guy named Jalen Waddle who is the same exact build and plays a very similar game to Tyreek Hill, um, although obviously not as good at this point in his career. Um, but they have, a, a, they have a ton they have a ton of weapons in yeah. Miami now. Gasecki on top of that, Devontae Parker and Cedric Wilson. It's going to be a really fun offense to watch if they can get that offensive line figured out. Wait, is Cedric Wilson there or just Albert Wilson? Yep. Cedric oh. Wilson. Yep. Oh. They signed him, uh, I think, three years, $18 million or something like that. So you got that. Cedric, Albert. Man, they are loaded suddenly in yeah. that spot. If yep. they figure out the whole offensive line thing with Armstead, we'll see. Do you like the Armstead signing? Bad. Uh, but, but do you think two was bad or was the offensive line? Do you, do you think I two think was bad? I think there's a little bit of both, unfortunately. Okay. And I didn't see that coming. I, I really like yeah. two coming out of Alabama. Um, I just think the upside is kind of limited. Um, I think that the the hip injury hurt his athleticism a little bit. He's not really able to create the way that he was. Um, and some of the throws that he made outside of the pocket last year were just disgustingly bad. <laughs> it's just not even close. Um, and to open guys, it wasn't like he was trying to throw the ball at their ankles. The ball just ended up at their ankles. Um, but still, like timing throws, even timing throws downfield, he's good with. It's just everything where you have to create. And unfortunately, when you have a bad offensive line, you have to create a, create a lot. Yeah. Adam, what do you think? So, okay, first off, I I don't know that I care about Tua and what he's going to be doing this year. This is a long-term move. And I think that, I don't you know. You think it's a long-term move? I think it's a save Tua's job move. No, I, no man, I don't think you're saving Tua's job. And Mike McDaniel, regardless of anything, Mike McDaniel is one of the smartest head coaches in the NFL, mm-hmm. period. He's he a genius. Quite literally an intelligent individual, regardless of the sport of football. Mm-hmm. I think that he what he did is he goes Mike Jacecki, who's not a blocking tight end, right? Mm-hmm. Never was, never not that's not his <laughs> game. Tyreek Hill, 
Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle had probably like, is there anyone that had a more slept on rookie year than Jalen Waddle? Uh, yeah, the the tight end at Atlanta who had a thousand yards Hold that on. nobody talked about. Kyle Pitts, okay. baby. Which no. non-touchdown was your favorite, Dalton? No, <laughs> you're not doing that. You're not doing that. Uh-huh. He had Jalen Waddle. Yeah, sure. Okay, absolutely. By all means. No, if, if Jalen Waddle's not on that football team, that offense doesn't move the ball at all. He, he, he was there in They were going side to side. Like, if you watch those games, they were just going side to yeah, side. It was, it was amazing. My yeah. friends, Jalen Waddle had 104 receptions out of 140 <laughs> targets. Mm-hmm. 9.8 yards per reception, six touchdowns in his yeah. rookie season. Okay, so the numbers, the season in itself was incredible for him. But what was most impressive was that just no one talked about it. Hmm. Like we we talked like a couple times. I was like, "Hello, are we are we not paying attention?" Like he's having one of the like most quiet, incredible seasons for a rookie wide receiver. And so to then have you know where where Jalen Waddle was a very like reception heavy short yardage you know receiver yards after the catch yada 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 like to have that deep threat bomb that Tyree Kill is uh, listen I, I just think Mike McDaniel is putting the pieces together and he wants his weapons and whereas you know the Cowboys have been like we'll build the offensive line and then we'll compete for a Super Bowl Mike McDaniels is like I want all of my weapons ready to go so that when it is time to compete I will score 60 points on you every single game like that's well, and that's the thing is if if Tua can be Jimmy that team can be good offensively yeah, or I think that Tua if, can be Jimmy, or if a certain backup could be Jimmy, Teddy, Teddy, Amy. Teddy's just as Teddy's. Yeah, listen, Isn't he I'm from not, Miami. Did he go back home? Is he from Miami? Am I misremembering? I, so. yeah, 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 yeah. I do think you're right there. Either way, I. You know, like I said, I had heard rumblings and rumors for a long time that that Mike McDaniel specifically thought that he could do maybe the word we would use is more with Jimmy Garoppolo mm-hmm. than had been done. Uh, and that he is a huge Jimmy Garoppolo fan. So I think when he looks at a guy like Tuya and sees similar traits, maybe a little bit more of a higher ceiling, you know, maybe he goes, Hey, I, I can do more the same way he thought he could do more with Jimmy. Dalton, do you think it's harder to coach Southpaws at quarterback? Uh, I honestly I have no idea. It's what would just, you guess? We, do you think it's harder to see the field? What, do we you think there's any disadvantage? We don't see. I mean, the the ball spins a different way, so it is yeah. legitimately harder for wide receivers to catch the football from a left hander um, huh. because of the the way that the ball spins. Um, and it's hmm. not something conscious that you can figure out. Um, but if you work with a guy enough, it. it becomes a non-issue at that point um so i mean no not really um i i think that either way it's okay it's just he'll have strengths to the opposite side of the field than fighties usually do so yeah the way it is that that's what i'm going to say is my limitation as to why i wasn't an nfl being a lefty yeah it was just uh it was too much to overcome everyone Everyone knows that if Chase, you know, was a right-handed, he would be dominating right now. Yeah, I hey, there you go. Um, I will say there was a. um, I'm a very competitive person when I play in sports and stuff, and uh, in intramural flag football in college and undergrad, 
I, uh, I played against this dude who played football at North Gwinnett, um, back home. And it was like, it was a big flag football game. And I, I, I was just an underneath machine. I was like, uh, let me, I was just grinding Julian Edelman tape up into the game. And I'm just like, that's going to be me. I got this. I'll, I'll lock it down. We're good. Quick five yard outs. Let me, let me move. I'm good. I'll, I'll kill him with cardio. And I, uh, I talk a lot of smack when I'm on the field. Like that's just my, my nature. Like I'm a competitive person. I, I definitely talk. And this dude forgot he wasn't playing uh, tackle football. Like he went back to high school for, for a couple seconds. So when I did a five yard out, when I say this man picked me up and slammed my ass deep into our intramural field at the university of North Georgia, that is exactly what happened. And that hurt so bad. And I was in so much shock about what just happened. And I was like, man, I was not built to be a professional football player. And it was, it was a lot like I, I had not been dropped like that. Cause I stopped playing uh, football after eighth grade because I didn't get bigger. Like it was like, Oh, this is a threat to, to my long-term health. I, I don't think I can physically do this anymore, I, but I got blown up in a flag football game. I can't tell you how, how much I, I, I understand that. I used to play sports when I was in like elementary school and like, mm-hmm. You know, like I would, I was this, you know, I would always start or like have a prominent position for a little kid, right? Like, yeah, I, I was an athletic kid and uh, I played basketball, played point guard, played baseball, shortstop, uh, sometimes second base. And I'll never forget, we, me and my dad and my brother were because we're out and playing catch because my dad was like a, you know, minor league baseball player back in the day and mm-hmm. really wanted us to play. And one day my brother threw me the ball and I lost it and it hit me right in the face. <laughs> and that was like almost, I think, to the minute, the last time I ever played. <laughs> I got hit in the face and I witnessed pain. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I was Is this like, why you make lives miserable on Twitter for people who like baseball? Because you tweet at least once a week, like, I hate baseball. Oh, no, 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 no. Baseball uh-huh. is a, a terrible sport to watch. Yeah. Uh, on go. TV, it's great to watch in person. It's incredibly fun to have a beer at the game. One of the best environments to just go hang out and you know, be around it. But yeah, no, it's a terrible, 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 horrendously boring sport. And wow. also not only that, but what a worthless, uh, uh, you know, sport MLB just like wow. can't handle the franchises, can't handle their, their best players. Don't know how to market uh-huh. them. Just, yeah, I can go on if you'd like, oh my but goodness. no, but the point of it is I do very much. So understand where you're coming from where I was like, mm. Oh, this is pain is not for me when it comes to. Well, it's not just pain. It was just like this dude, like he closed the speed of him closing and then just wrapping me up and just picking my ass off the ground and just slamming me into the dirt. Like I wasn't even mad. Like I was just like shell shocked about what just happened. But like the he was he doesn't play college. Like he was just some he was a kid who just played in high school and then just moved on. He still just could on a whim just be like this dude's talking smack. I'm going to bury this kid. And then he just buried me. And I was like, all right, man, I can't be mad. I I, I cannot be mad. It's pretty uh, not okay. Yeah. But Hey, it, it all worked out in the end. Um, last thing we'll wrap up here, guys. So the overtime proposal. So there's a I, Mike Tomlin. Of course, he just, he always has the best quotes where he's like, uh, what did he say this week where he was like, uh, sudden death doesn't scare me was is essentially what he said, <laughs> um, which is just great. And everybody's got their own take on what overtime should be. 
Um, the, there was one I saw this week where I forgot, was it John Mara? I think of the giants who said, who proposed having it change, having it stay status quo in the regular season, but changing for the playoffs, um, where both teams get possession in the playoffs and not having that be the rule in the regular season. I actually agree with that the most. I actually think that's like the best of both worlds where it's like, yeah, we don't need to drag out the regular season games ties. Like let's move on. But a postseason game you could sell me on that because we're all locked in and who cares about the length and all that kind of stuff at that point like you could sell me on the double possession in the nfl but just i don't want to drag these games out in in uh regular season so i i don't know where where are you guys at evan what uh what overtime rule works best for you i i won't say that i have like some like solution to the overtime situation all i know is that i i think like many other people agree that i never want to watch a game again in which the Bills and Josh Allen don't have an opportunity to mm. to try and win the game, right? And I, I, felt, understand. I felt sick watching that. For that. you know, and I'm I, not even a Bills fan, and I felt sick watching I, it because I knew as soon as as soon as the coin flipped happened, you knew who yeah. was going to win that game. And it's like I get I get the argument, right? Like, well, go, you know, don't get yourself in that position. But like the NFL and games in general, like, like they don't always get decided in sixty minutes. Like mm-hmm. and, and for people to be like, oh well, you know, if you didn't want it, you don't go into overtime. It's like, yeah, but like, you go into overtime, it's a coin flip, right? If you go into both teams went to overtime, so mm-hmm. you'd like the argument of like, well, don't go into overtime. Well, the other team went to, into overtime, but they won a coin flip. Like, I just mm-hmm. that's my thing is it, it can't be a coin flip. It cannot be that. Like, both teams need an opportunity to win, and how you do that, I am not the person for that. There are smarter people in all facets of life. And one of them uh, is this, and they should figure that out. What about you, Dalton? I don't really have a super strong take on it. Um, it can't be college rules because of, of yeah. fantasy football and betting. That's, that's just, the, I didn't the even way consider that, that element. I didn't even consider yeah. that being a part of it. Yeah. You can't do it because of that. But um, hmm. what, what I will say is I would just in the regular season and in the postseason just do 10 minute quarter, and just play it out. And if it if that last quarter ends in a tie, it ends in a tie, and that's the way that it is. Now in the playoffs, it obviously would have to change. Um, if you want to do a, a ten minute quarter, and then the and next then start over point, at ten, yeah, and then the next point scores, then it, it turns into sudden death after the first overtime. Um, but I just I can't in my mind I can't justify the other team not getting the ball because at the end of the day, too, all, all games are different. Like that yeah. that that. Bills and, and Chiefs game, if the offenses would have for some reason been struggling in that football game, then the Bills probably do touch the ball in, yeah. in, in the right. overtime. But with the way that the game flow was, it was go score. That's what it was. And, and sometimes that's just the way that games flow. And there are no two games that are played the same. And that one was very, very different. It just got into a shootout. And once these teams into shootouts that's kind of the way that these games go and that's what happened in that one and as soon as coin flip happened you knew that kansas city was going to win it and uh it's just uh unfortunate that it had to happen that way because felt josh allen and, and that football team deserved it right mm. well i we'll see what happens it seems like they're pretty split that they're split enough where nothing's going to change this year the, it doesn't yeah the touchdown and two-point conversion thing uh, is interesting because then if you're that team mm-hmm do you risk going for two? Hmm. Because if you, if you go for two and you get it, you obviously you win. Yeah. If you go for two and you don't get it, the other team knows that they need to score a touchdown on that next possession. Mm. 
So they have four downs to go all the way down the field, and they know they just have to kick the extra point after that. Yeah. So the the two point Better conversion strategy. Yeah, is a little bit weird, but it, it does add a little bit of strategy to it as well, uh, which I think makes it interesting. Interesting. I like it. Um, Dalton, what can the good folks check out from you and the great team over there at the Pro Football Network? Um, we're, we're getting into our draft coverage. So I'm doing like a bunch of first round scenarios for teams right now. I don't know when they're going to drop or anything, but, but that's kind of what I'm doing. Um, what's the most common one with the Falcons? What's that? What's the most common one for the Falcons right now? What do you Um, think? I don't know. I haven't really thought about it yet. Um, Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to do Falcons tomorrow today. I I just started today and I did the jets, the giants and the lions today are okay. the, the three teams i did today um atlanta just i'm going down the draft order so yeah. they'll be uh they'll you, be coming up. you don't have to do it you don't have to, no, do I have to. sorry <laughs> i mean it's going to be a doom and gloom three scenarios but it's going to yeah. be three different scenarios that you're getting um and, and so you guys can can look at that but guys hit the mock draft simulator have a little bit of fun there it's all yeah. free uh they give trades uh for free as well you can propose and you can receive them um and yeah, that, that's about it. Check, check out all that draft work. The, the guys do a lot of hard work there. Yeah. There and do, do me a favor, guys, when it comes to the mock draft simulator, anybody that's listening to this, if you could, uh, if at all possible, go ahead and just slot the Falcons first round pick in with a tight end and make sure to screenshot that and send it to Chase uh, as many times as possible. Just, just constantly send all of your different tight end possibilities in the first round for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh and then, yeah, go ahead and tag me and Chase in that. Uh, what did I do, Evan? What 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 did I do to deserve that? Like, why? I don't want that. I don't want the abso- smoke. I don't want ab- that in my life. Abs- absolutely nothing, and yeah, abs- and absolutely everything. He just wants I- to be. He just wants to be an anime antagonist. That's all. <laughs> That's all he's trying to do. This is my he's yeah. This is my this, this is my villain origin story. There you go. I I'm feeling good, man. Tennessee baseball number one in the country now. Are they really. Yeah, we just swept Old Miss, the previous number one team over the weekend. It's badass, man. We we are dinger central, Tennessee baseball. We hit the dingers. That's what we do. Um, so no, it's pretty it's pretty dope. And college baseball, Evan, I would say you might get into better just because the sound college baseball ping. is fun. Yes, yeah, college, college baseball, baseball is fun. I uh, no, like I said, I I can't say it enough. As 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 terrible as the MLB is as a organization, it didn't work, Dalton. We didn't sell them. Uh, no, 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 no. I I can't say it enough. I really do enjoy going to baseball games. It's yeah. going to baseball games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Outstanding. yeah like the only I, the only better sport to go watch is hockey. I'll go to a Hockey's baseball number one. game. I'm a, I agree with you. Hockey's the best sport, number one. Like It's always going to be number one to go see in person. There's I'll not going to be an ant tops it. I'll go to a baseball game over a basketball yeah. game 10 out of 10 mm-hmm. times. Yeah, Football's the worst, weirdly enough. And, I, like, don't, NFL I games, don't agree. Yeah. I don't agree. Mm. Football's highs, their peaks, are some of the biggest. Like... Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I love being in Neyland when we're packed and everything. I like college football, I would say is different, but like the NFL experience, like I may never go to an, a Falcons game at home ever. Again. Oh, well, like yeah, the seats are terrible. You're so away. The atmosphere sucks now. It's so corporate. Every NFL game is so corporate for the most part mm-hmm. that like I, I have no interest in uh, going there in person. Um, yeah, it's a little bit different. And Neil, it's also different with college tailgating because you have the tailgating aspect yeah. as well, which yeah. changes, changes everything. Right. Um, Dalton Miller. Thank you as always for the time, sir. Um, go check out Pro Football News if you have not already, or Pro Football Network, excuse me, if you have not already done so. Do the draft simulator, do all that good stuff, have fun with it. 
Evan Swords, 49ers Hub. Go check out 49ershub.com if you've not already done so. All the great 49ers content ahead of Jimmy G's future. We'll see what happens there. We'll see. Um, Burner underscore Swords on Twitter and Dalton B. Miller on Twitter as well. Guys, thank you so much. You have yourself a great rest of your night. All right. All right, we're back here on the Chase Thomas Podcast where we have to talk about the Orlando Magic because someone has to do it. I'm stepping up to the plate for the Orlando community. People forget that. RK is here. He covers the Magic quite well. Love reading his posts on uh, on the Orlando Magic. Great stuff on his uh, Substack and everything else. RK, how's it how's it going, man? You're you're kind of like a you're you you hide your name. You got beyond the RK. You've got this this whole alter ego you got online. Is that intentional? Do you not want to reveal your full name? I didn't even want to do it here because I didn't know if that was like a Batman type deal for you. <laughs> I, I like how you're viewing it though. It's definitely a Batman type thing. I mean, we mm-hmm. can't just let everybody know who Bruce Wayne is right off the bat. You gotta right sneak around, do the work in the dark, all of it. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I'm just you know a lifelong Magic fan who mm-hmm. kind of. Got more into, I guess, basketball Twitter a couple years back and really just wanted to see the team covered a little more in depth and just Mm -hmm. a combination of like my my passions and interests combined. And, you know, I I love basketball and math and and the magic and and T-Mac and all that and just decided to to kind of go down this path and at the very least cover the magic as well as possible and put out team building type content uh, for for that type of strategy stuff so that i just really love talking about big math guy what's your favorite is it are you a trig guy or a stack guy are you a calculus guy man it was more in high school probably mm-hmm. for for calc and stat that kind of stuff but okay i mean just the the classics i, I remember algebra the 2 was just is just is basic you know it, yeah. who doesn't like some some good old math you know uh me i, I i'm raising my <laughs> hand right here like I, yeah i cannot stand math that was not my jam geometry yeah, still I, gives me nightmares i honestly think that is that at its core is the problem with analytics in sports as a whole is that wow. everyone thought we left math back in junior high Mm. And, and, and that, you know, that, that was it. And now people, you know, that didn't like math back then or have to kind of confront that at the very least, some, some stats can give you an advantage. They're just a a tool for scouts or coaches to, or players to find a a small advantage. That's really all it is. But just the idea that numbers can reflect the sport is it's hard for some people, or at least they just don't want to like really acknowledge that all it's really doing is revealing what happened it's keeping track of every play for you so you the ones that your eyes might miss so why yeah um well we're going to get into a bunch of different magic players uh this season so obviously this was not about wins and losses so like when you look at the magic this year you never need to look at the wins and losses because this was going to be a bad team and a bad season in the east um i was concerned about jamal mosley in this position because i was like okay there were like you look around the league and I'm like when Steven Silas took the Houston job and uh, he took and Mosley took the Orlando job where I'm like, oh, this is this was something that like I dealt with as a Hawks fan, like with Lloyd Pierce. Where I'm like, I don't know if he's gonna be able to see this through. Like there's just too much losing for too long where it's like this is if I was a up and coming coach, I would just be like, man, you got to promise me or get get it in writing. Like you're going to yeah. try after what, two years like I can handle losing one, maybe two. But you get that stain on your resume. It's hard to get that job number two. So I, I was just, I've been worried about where they're going and Mosley where I'm like, I don't know about Orlando right now. Like that just seems like 
there's only 30 jobs. So I understand that. But these are the kind of jobs where it's like, we'll, we'll see what happens. But before we even get into the players, what kind of job has Mosley done in year one? What is uh, what has he been better about? What about the team is different under him? What um, excites you about Jamal Mosley and what he's brought to the table this year? It's a great question. I, I really think his competitive nature is the first thing that stands out. Like from day mm-hmm. one, he has implemented a culture that embraces hustle plays and competing on every single play mm-hmm. and Really, that that detail is what you'll hear um, David Steele talk about uh, during the game, or, or and, and just talking about the idea that even down twenty, down thirty, with the backups in, they're still trying. And I know that yeah. doesn't say much, but it says enough about a team that there is no quit in them. That and especially in today's league, where twenty points is more like a ten point game, and you know a couple threes, and you're right back into it, uh, along with some some good defensive plays. So I'd say. In terms of building something, this is, I'd say, the most competitive and fun-to-watch Magic team, top to bottom, Hmm. that maybe we've had in years. And it's somehow the worst record. And (laughs) it's just because of the way we play. Because instead of dumping the ball down to Vooch on the post or running a two-man game where Fournier only looks to pass to Vooch and it's just efficient enough to be a decent offense... Instead of like painstaking through all, every possession for that, we're watching an up and down style where the ball moves constantly. They embrace that Popovichian uh, 0.5 second rule where you got to shoot past or dribble right away. And I would say criticism wise that um, outside outsiders have noticed that you know we're not run and it's not it's it's kind of obvious we're not running the most um, detailed plays ever. It, there's not five different actions going on like it, it it's kind of clearer that it's just one handoff after another that it's mm-hmm. it's it's a pick and roll into a handoff or, or maybe a, a a double drag or a horns or a spain set where there's a little bit of variation but it's it's kind of still a little on the basic side in, in terms of play calling but i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing when the when you put out basically a good or a solid decision maker team first player at every position who's just looking to make the right play and keep the ball moving. So it, as long as the ball finds the open shooter or finds the best shot, and the I, I, I'm just a big fan of the five-out style where the handoffs and pick-and-rolls just keep coming, and Orlando's mm-hmm. set up with, with Cole and Fultz as driving forces to penetrate the paint, with Franz out there attacking closeouts, Wendell and Bamba both different both excel in different roles as as big men but they, they almost complement each other in that way in the modern game but it, it's a, it's a nice combination to see and I, i'd say overall uh, back to your original point about opportunity mm-hmm. on the one hand you, you nailed it that the the resume is not going to necessarily look great with the wins and loss record after all of this you know mm-hmm. but in terms of you know getting a chance he's he's been on the sideline I want to say 15 years as an assistant coach with Denver and Dallas, and they probably wanted him to succeed Carlisle in some capacity, Mm -hmm. but he was to me, a coveted coach. Um, Supposedly uh, the rumor is that Carlisle called Weltman and Hammond and kind of gave his personal recommendation that this is the guy. And -hmm. at the end of the day, I think it's, it's the perfect coach for this team right now. Mm -hmm. And I I'm like, he he's done such a good job in terms of like, 
creating that competitive spirit that just hasn't been there on a night to night basis for so long that that that's the type of coach you want to ride with and and see see him get the chance to to grow like Lord Pier- Lloyd Pierce did not see yeah um, where where like I, I remember that Hawk season they had a ton of injuries too that whole season mm-hmm. and there, it wasn't just on Lloyd like there, there were rumors about different things but at the end of the day uh, Nate McMillan set is, is known for like setting a defensive standard and he had this great group of os- offensive scores and found a nice balance so maybe it was a better fit there for their next step but who knows I, I'd really I, I'd, I'd really like to see Mosley see this through for a few more years and maybe there is something with the front office where there's yeah. not you know something of a wink wink relationship of you you know what this is about development for now but you're the guy and we want to build this from scratch and just keep going. Well, you so just that, extended Weltman and Hammond too, right? Didn't they just get extensions? I believe so. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're, I'm not sure how long, but yes. yeah. Um, that's interesting. So we'll see what happens. I think, like you said, it's a wait and see thing, but also we can't discount. This is something that bothers me. So they've been punted for me sometimes from league pass because of the black and orange. If you mm. wear the black and orange, I'm out. Like, I'm so I'm annoyed out. about, like, it's so disrespectful to long-term NBA fans and just uniform snobs like myself, where it's like, yeah. you have the perfect uniforms. The You ha- you already have them. You don't need make this. It and they sense. wear, like, it's horrendous. Are, do Magic fans talk about this? Like, how terrible these black and orange uniforms, they've worn a preposterous amount of times, okay? Like, I it's amazing how many highlights and games I don't watch that I'll go through the highlights and see like, okay, what did France do? What did Markel do? That better not be the black and orange again. That better not be it. <laughs> and there it is. It's the black and orange. It's preposterous and it needs to stop. It <laughs> needs to stop. I will not allow the Orlando magic to be a good basketball team and win a lot of basketball games until this crap is thrown out the window. The black and orange is a monstrosity. There's monstrosities all across the league in uniforms right now, but that's the number one because Orlando's black and blue and pinstripe uniforms and just their normal uniforms and colors are perfect. What are we doing? Not thinking. It's it's like a Halloween nightmare coming. Oh to my life god! In that sense, I, I'm with you. Magic fans definitely talk about it. I'd, I'd say this this year because of how much they put like a crazy amount of detail honoring old jerseys into this mm-hmm. one. So on like a blank slate, it's like okay, maybe this could work. Like I'm trying to talk myself into it. No, but it can't. I, it can't I, work. I'm with you from the. I'm with you from the start. I mean, the magic colors are blue, white, and black, and everyone agrees. The former players, yeah. the current fans, everyone loves yeah. the original jerseys. No one knows. Well, everyone knows. Money is why they make alternate jerseys. Yeah, and, and it's a. It's just a new source of revenue. But and and I think there's some rule in now that they've gone away from it that now those are considered the traditional jerseys or classic oh jerseys or throwback jerseys, even though it's only like 20 years ago, like franchise just started in the nineties, but mm-hmm. now they're the throwback jerseys. And now I don't even know if they can technically like, I'm sure they could figure it out, but I, I think there's some rule against them using it as a night normal, just go back to the normal jerseys. Like, no, those are throwbacks now. Now Nike has you making five different jerseys uh, to make some, some new revenue sources, but come on. Like I, I have, I have tried my best to buy in and sell the orange as the sun and the the fruit. It's Orlando's thing. It's just not our team colors. Like what are no? If you're into ultimate, you. just keep I can't, the same scheme. I can't defend it. Yeah, I, I, it's 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 too hard to defend. It's, it's not for me. Um. Well, let's talk about Markel Fultz, who's back. Um, yeah. Watching him is just he's a different player. Like I like 
different kinds of players in this league. I like watching different dudes who are good at different kinds of things. And the Magic have a lot of those guys right now. But Markel is different in a way where he's so fluid. He's so slow. Like, he's just like, I, I don't understand. He's like a point guard Kyle Anderson to me now. That's what he yeah, looks like to slow-mo. me. Yeah, he's a slow-mo point guard. And it shouldn't work. Like Markel Fultz is something is a guy when I watch him, I put in my notes like he'll um, he'll go inside like he does the Nash thing where he goes up and under and he'll look to see if he has an up and under. And if he doesn't, guess what? He's looking. He'll go around and then he'll pause. He'll have this quick pause and then turn around and just like a 15 footer like and it's perfect. Like he does that. It's a good look, but it doesn't feel like that should ever get off because of how slow it is and how just it's just he's got a purpose it, he just i'm glad you agree with me on this because that's like something i write down it's like he's slow-mo point guards and <sighs> that means he he's not going to be a star like that's probably out of this point in his career but he's a really good player and he's also just really fun but like what have you what have you seen from markel what has he been better at since he's been returned than what you saw in the past like does he look all the way back what does markel look like because suddenly the magic have a lot of questions because depending on where they who's available when they're picking in the lottery this year you already got cole anthony you got markel you got franz you got wendell you got mo bamba you've got um isaac in the wing and and then of course jalen suggs he just drafted in the lottery so there's for me i'm like there's no room for all three the three guards like you cannot pay those three like cole uh suggs and markel like some at some point especially depending on who's available in the draft and who if you go guard again then you're really getting crowded. Um, and they just did that with bigs, basically. They had all right. the bigs and no guards. It was this, the DJ Augustine show. But like, what uh, what do you make of Markel? And does he fit with this long-term? Should he still be in the long-term plans? Yeah, absolutely. I I, I love what I've seen from Markel just in the past. He's only played 11 games this, this yeah. whole season. He's only um, He's been on a minute restriction, tw- just under 20 minutes a game. Um, and only he just came back after the all-star break. Mm. He's basically putting up his type of box store efficiency on a lower volume with le- like, j- just as he's only coming off the bench, he's playing in like four or five minute increments and he put up like 10 points a game, four assists to two turnovers, three rebounds and one steal per game, shooting 46% field goal percentage on nine shots a game and 51% true shooting overall with 27% usage and a 41% assist rate. And basically all that's to say he Markel looks like Markel. Like it's been yeah. over a, a year since he played and he still looks like himself. And I would agree with you on the style, but mm. I'm not, maybe it's a little fan in me, but I'm still not totally out on the, the ceiling here because the other, the other comp that kind of gets thrown out among magic fans is the DeRozan similarities huh. where he's, like and especially with when you were or when one would like um, think about how that fit would work between DeRozan and Vucevic in Chicago, a fine example. Well, Raquel and Vucevic in and the idea that definitely slow he can get his spots are anywhere inside the perimeter for for whatever reason the three-point shot isn't totally back to it might that's the part that will probably never return the the hype of 
this guy is shooting like Kyrie or Harden off the yeah. dribble at Washington. Mm-hmm. That 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 part of the game might be gone. That ceiling, but yeah. like he did hit a a pull up three just last night, and it, it it looks clean. But at at the end of the day, he's kind of doing this push shot from three. Yes. It's a little slow, and if that maybe it's a Rondo situation, or eventually he at least becomes like a catch and shoot threat from deep, mm-hmm. where not nothing and it's a weapon, but. That's like really the one negative because everything else is just about the joy he plays with. I mean, yeah. it, it's infectious among the teammates. Bamba and Carter talk about it that there's just more fun, there's more energy mm-hmm. when he's out there. And there's some magic to his game where he he can break down the defense yeah. with the and roll and get to a spot, which is normally that elbow midi. And yeah. like you said, it's a little slower than normal. He loves but dancing around into the hoop, though. That's his. That's his yeah. thing. He loves dancing around the hoop. He. I don't think he. I'm not sure if he has a plan inside when he's dancing around the hoop. But he's looking around. He's just. He's just moving. Like it just. It, fun, he's really having fun. He's having fun figuring it out. And then if you like play off him too long, then he's just gonna do a one footer and like that's just that's his thing. Um, I'm excited to see what happens there. So I hadn't considered DeRozan as a comp, but that's that's interesting Maybe because that's of case you know with higher volume and all that but mm-hmm. really that the the mid-range maestro along with or the pick and roll maestro with the range efficiency and also he's he's very strong and long for his position at point guard so i mean it, it adds this this identity that orlando's going for to be long at every single position with the seven yeah. foot span and create length all over where you have these smart team first defenders who can make rotations and go crazy with their arms and when you line up five seven-foot wingspans across the court, I mean, you're taking up most of the passing lanes before you even start. So that, yeah. that's, that's just the, the idea behind let's go big at every position mm-hmm. as long as we maintain enough skill and spacing to make it work offensively. That's fascinating. Um, explain Wendell Carter to me because Wendell Carter written off um now he's got glasses he's yeah. uh, a different kind of dude he's gone full horse grant with a with a three-point shot and you mentioned that like he and mobamba kind of complement each other well and speaking of a guy who mosley like a totally different situation where it's mosley's in here and now bomba is a part of the rotation and is an interesting piece now for orlando but what makes them like why would they complement each other well because that seems like something like if you told basketball fans a couple years ago that mo bamba and wendell carter at the four or five would not be an abject disaster in points per possession like why does that work and like what is what is wendell carter now what is what is he ceiling and what is he doing differently in orlando for the folks that have not watched every game Right. I, I had my doubts when I first time I saw they were starting to get mm. starting together and nothing's really changed. I mean, they went to it right away and that was back for the first 10 games or so. Orlando had the like the best starting lineup net rating in the league. And obviously it's a small sample, but that, that was with their main core start starters playing together. And back when the bench was just really, really on its last leg. So that was the one unit that like stood well on its own. Mm. And I'd say um the biggest compare contrast thing is that they're both bigs but Wendell is a bit more of a traditional big man in that he he doesn't have too many holes he he always I love the Al Horford comp everyone seems to go that route because he might not be jumping out of the gym Mm -hmm. but he's not getting beat 
he, he's holding his own basically at his position defensively on switches. He's moving the ball. He can, he can roll or post up. And it's just more of a traditional strong post-up force as well, um, where defensively Bamba can focus on help defense protecting the rim and Wendell can be more of the actual post-up defender when it's time to, to play the, the biggest of the big bigs down there. And I have to assume that um, part of the effectiveness is how the modern game has changed to the point where I was just writing about this as well, where maybe it is better to have two rim protectors as long as they can switch out onto the guards. And it's, you know, it's not, you know, rocket science, as many rim protectors as possible. But when building that ideal defense, maybe instead of funneling your guy into one elite rim protector like Rudy Gobert or Dwight mm-hmm. Howard on these teams, maybe it's more now you need to funnel him into one guy and then have your next one ready to go because he's going to kick out and he's going to have to make rotation. And now you need someone else to protect the rim on the next closeout. And it's just like this being, being prepared for endless closeouts where the, you're not, the job isn't finished after the first drive. And I, th- I think that is really one reason these two have succeeded, especially defensively. And then um, the other thing where they're, let's just say, contrasting styles is the way they run pick, pick and rolls. Bamba mm-hmm. is more of a willing three-point shooter right from day one. Mm-hmm. He's a pick and pop threat. Um, I have the numbers here as well. He, uh, went, Bamba is scoring one point per possession on 54 pick and pops this season. That's his better role. And then Wendell is more effective rolling to the basket, especially in that two man game with Franz, um, where Wendell is scoring 1.25 points per possession on 93 possessions rolling to the rim. But the nice thing is that they both specialize in, in that sense, but they're still capable of the other one. So defenses have to stay honest and mm. when still pop for three and Bamba can still roll and they're both effectively 0.9 points per possession doing that. So it, it's all re- like 0.9 or 0.95 is already like just good enough or, or average effectiveness for a play. So mm. that's their, you know, the worst of the two options. And then the better one is 1.0. Like that's a pretty good combination that, they're both pick and roll threats, but one of them is more of a popper. One of them is more of a roller, and yet both of them can do both at, at any given time. So defenses can't necessarily cheat and and um, try to look out for the, what they do best. Interesting. Uh, in terms of the rookies with Wagner and Suggs, what have you seen from both? Do you think both are hits and part of this core, or do you have questions about one or two as a, a long-term core option? Another good question. Uh, Franz Wagner is definitely a hit. I mean, that's okay. that's, a, that's a no question about mm-hmm. it. He is he was picked eighth. He is a NBA rotation player. He, he walked in the door exceeding expectations. Even the people that were highest on his development didn't think he'd be contending for Rookie of the Year. In, in, yeah. in that sense, like they they like most people liked his fit on potentially with the Warriors because of how good of a cutter and closeout attacker in theory he would be because he could mm. shoot the ball on the floor, drive and, and pass. And, you know, when you think about that, that step, the Warriors play Steph getting doubled or trapped, dumping to Draymond on the short roll four on three 
And now you got Draymond kicking to Franz instead of like an iffy shooter, like maybe Iguodala or something mm-hmm. where you get a little better of a shooter at this point. So that that's kind of the idea of, of just how good he could have been there. But now we've seen him with more opportunity and volume here and he just keeps taking advantage of it. We're, we're actually at the point where we need to see Franz as with number one touches maybe, or number mm. two touches even because the efficiency is just through the roof on everything. Now, yeah. it doesn't mean he's like a superstar in the making. It doesn't mean his ceiling's insane. It just means he's a really good basketball player and he, like he needs more touch. He's been putting in work with Turkaloo. Like he's just been grinding oh, yeah. with Turkaloo. He's like point forward, I got this. Number one in touches. Let me bring Magic Basketball yeah, back. Him and Hito. Yeah. Next generation Hito. He is mm-hmm. exactly a fan favorite. And then Suggs may might not be as much of a lock long term, mm-hmm. but the defense has been really nice and it's kind but is that of a problem. Like, is that a, just a huge issue if he doesn't because of how, where he was taken in the water where it's like, especially with Mobley and green and Cade where it's like, this is just an all time great rookie class. And if Suggs is the miss, is that not, does that not scare you and scare magic fans? Like that, that you just can't miss on somebody like that. Like is Suggs, yeah. is it, it that scary right now? No, I don't think it's like bus potential scary in that sense okay. because the defense really has been legit and for a rookie to be that good of a defender that that's going he's going to make the league for a while just by yeah. being a defender. And Who he, does he he's remind you of? A good team first player. Man, now that he's actually the comps were pretty crazy before the draft. Brandon Roy 2.0 is what we yeah, heard forever, was, yeah. Brandon Roy, there was Chauncey Billups, yeah. there was because he has the leadership qualities and he has this a defensive fir- team first identity to his yeah. game. He can he, he pass the the dribble the dribbling and the shot are not where you would want it. Like mm-hmm. he might not be the ISO score. And back to the the draft, uh, sometimes it's luck of the draw because we ended up with the fifth pick and there was yeah. kind of a, an idea of there's there's Mobley and Cade at the top. There's Green Scotty and yeah. Suggs in this next tier and whether we get Suggs or Scotty we're happy because we at least got one of them but you know Scotty's been been amazing but <laughs> yeah he's been an absolute two-way force he's fun to watch but I, I'm like I, I think the problem is maybe with a projection of Suggs like the idea that if you're expecting Brandon Roy the the next top scoring option for the Magic that yeah. might be a little too much but if if we lower expectations maybe to more of a connector type like Lonzo Ball or Tyrese Halliburton hmm. where he's a, a plus defender who's making team first plays and hitting catch and shoot threes. And, you know, maybe if, if the, the dribbling and the shot continues to develop, maybe there's more of on ball opportunities there, but yeah. in the meantime, he's just a super connector. And that's not the worst thing when we have Cole and Franz and, and Fultz being such great on ball creators that, you know, he, he can fit in and just kind of fits with that general, like it, it almost um, sounds cliche to keep saying, saying it, but just team first long players who know what they're doing and, and try to make the right play, looking for their teammates, looking for the best play rather than just trying to score. Not that that's a bad thing, but rather than looking for their own shot every time, mm-hmm. just get as many players as possible that are long, use their length effectively and play with the team first mindset. and. Um, we're, we're seeing what what can be created by building those good habits over time. Yeah, I just, 
they're they're kind of building something that reminds me of the Hawks before they tore it down again with Teague, with Corver, with Damari Carroll, with Paul Millsap and Horford. That's what they're kind of reminding me of. Where it's like, I tell me if this is fair, but I still think that Isaac is still like the biggest wild card. Where it's like Isaac's ceiling is still the highest of anyone on this roster, but he's also the biggest wild card, and we haven't seen him play basketball in two years. So it's like whatever Isaac is is still ultimately like where the Magic are going. I feel like. But and then we should also throw in whoever wherever the lottery takes them this year. So this should be interesting too because this is a pretty good draft. Um, yeah, this draft and next draft. Just to yeah. interrupt you for a second, are really like this felt like a two year rebuild the moment they made mm-hmm. all those trades because they loaded up on last uh, a pick last year that became Franz and they yeah. got a second pick in twenty twenty three the Victor Wembanyama draft who I have to assume is just like the top of the top of every, not every big board necessarily, but mm-hmm. at least John Hammond and Jeff Weltman's big board. Like, yeah, better be on, like, I'm just assuming he mm-hmm. is like tiers above everyone else. So yeah. if that's the case, then I, I would suspect that even if we're fully healthy going all out, maybe we could look like a 500 club next year. I'm not sure that's necessarily the front office's goal, unless everyone's healthy and we're too good to tank. Yeah. Or whatever. You have too many competent players. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Like we're just slight like we just can't be that bad by playing all these guys. Yeah. That I I feel like you'll have to spend more. I feel like you'll have to add some more vets. Like you'll you would have to get some vets to fill out this rotation. Yeah, you gotta replenish. It can't just be all the young guys. It can't just be all young guys. I think like we're in that farm system phase where we're trying to see who sort of like any small market team like the Rays have done in baseball where you Mm -hmm. just have to take advantage of your development and scouting because you might not have the payroll or the free agency advantages that other bigger markets have. And Orlando's somewhere in between because like they can, they've gotten big free agents when there's a reason to sign here and when Mm -hmm. the money is the money, when it's a hundred million dollar deal to play with Dwight or play with Grant Hill, then we're we're signing Richard Lewis and, and, and uh, T-Mac. Yeah. Um, so I, I'd say that rebuild-wise, they were thinking, let's collect as many talented prospects as we can now, and over the next two years, we'll kind of weed through who fits well together, who fits the culture, mm-hmm. who, who's about this team identity, and ideally add two top five picks or so to that mix in these two years. So you have Isaac recovering, mm-hmm. maybe... maybe in theory, like the Sixers process where that where Joel Embiid, you know he's hurt and mm-hmm. he ends up sitting for two years. You draft him and you're not being more competitive than you draft Dario Saric, who's staying over for international for a year, so you're still not being more competitive. Like you could see maybe they're doing salt, small subtle moves with with whether it's injury preservation or whatever it is to tank just a little bit this season and maybe a little bit more next season. And then at that point you have these players have, will now become young veterans with chemistry who are a 500 ball club. And then before you even add Chet and may or, or Chet Holmgren next year, or a top five pick, let in theory, two top five picks and Isaac joining mm-hmm. this and Fultz joining this like 500 ish club two years from now is like the best case scenario where everyone's healthy, you got two or three top picks joining a, a this club of team-first young players already, there's a culture established, and we just start building and sh- shooting up from there, maybe like a sudden jump like the Hawks or the Grizzlies th- these past yeah. few seasons where 
we just suddenly are a relevant 500 club. And the point that is really interesting is uh, comparing it to those Hawks teams. And I like to compare it as well to uh, the, the Pistons teams in the 2000s, just because uh, Jeff uh, or John Hammond helped build those teams with Joe Dumars, the, the Billups, Hamilton, Ben Wallace, Tayshawn Prince, Richard, uh, Rashid Wallace, Pistons teams back then that basically the team first defense identity where we might not have a star, but we're going to compete. And that was the only team to win a championship in modern history without a star. So it's, and you also have another example with the Raptors where um, Weltman has, is from working with Masai, where they build a playoff, uh, not necessarily a contender, but a constant playoff team that is just one move away from becoming a contender once that star becomes available. So maybe this team is built up, you got a bunch of pieces to, to play with, and maybe a, something happens down the line, a, a Bradley Beal or a star becomes disgruntled and wants out. Mm-hmm. And you make that last move to jump from pretender to contender. But I don't yeah. think that's the move we're looking to make like this well, year. Well, let's just get in the playoffs. Like, uh, let's, let's slow down, RK. Let's, uh, let's just get the Magic back in the playoffs right. once in the last decade. Let's do right. that. Let's just uh, baby steps. All right. Let's just do some baby <laughs> steps. Um, let's, time. We're, we're still re- we're rebuilding here, sir. Brick by brick. Um, and progress <laughs> is not linear, as you see with the Atlanta Hawks um, this good. year. Progress is very not linear. Um, we'll end on this. Jonathan Isaac, what uh, what is his future in Orlando? Do you expect him back and everything's back to normal, like everything's fine? Is there more smoke here that he's just – is there something more at play that he's not going to be back? Like is it weird that it's been two years and this man is just not playing basketball? Um, do you still see him as a core piece? Is he still – is the upside still something that you want to see? Is he a point forward? Is he someone that can still be a high usage guy on offense? Like where are you at with Isaac two years removed from his Orlando magic playing days? Man, it's just a bummer to sum it up yeah. in, in that sense. But I I'm still in on the idea of Isaac being an elite defender. And yeah. if he's healthy and available, he is as impactful as a defender that I mean, defense one through five. But, yeah. Yeah, like to me, it's just if you put Kawhi or Scotty Pippen or anybody, he's as good as any defender when he's healthy. Like he's shutting down superstars. But like you said, that's two years ago. There was a um, a, something of an update that he had another injury during Mm -hmm. his ACL rehab. I believe it was a torn hamstring. Mm -hmm. So. I'd say the lack of transparency through all of this for fans yeah. is probably what most fans are upset about for this season because we we were told he'd be back to start this year mm-hmm. and they just kept kind of pushing it off and then other things happened. So that part of it stinks for sure. But in terms of him as a player, I don't really think he's going anywhere yeah. based on Every, because he's already signed a team-friendly deal because of these injuries, where it's something yeah. you know maybe that suddenly a year from now could look like a Steph Curry contract, where he's just insane value for the money because of just. But that's like best case, where he's a defensive player of the year type of player on this fifteen million dollar per year deal instead of a max thirty something mm-hmm. like that. But um, I, I think he has to maybe be viewed as I, I don't want to say he's prone to injuries yet it, but mm-hmm. you know we're 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 three injuries in so anyone that wants to think that is probably fine doing it 
but I think you just have to maybe treat him like you would treat um, a, a star player who does have to deal with injuries like Joel Embiid or Kawhi or AD where maybe they're not playing back-to-backs. Maybe they only play like they're on the, the load management type of cycle where mm-hmm. you just have to manage that body because not everybody is built to play 30 minutes a night, 82 games on the current schedule. And maybe mm-hmm. that's just uh, that's just the way it is. So if yeah. so if you want to like if if you want to root for that player and you're okay, some with someone being super impactful when available, but maybe only available half the time, mm-hmm. I think that's worth it when you're dealing with that level of impact. And obviously, it it ranges. Like if if he was actually Kawhi offensively then you're talking about, of course it's worth it because, but has he shown flashes like that? He could be anything. Yeah. I'll just say no, because what's his best offensive, like upside skill set? Like, what do you see there? It's like, there could be something. You know, what I'd rather him maybe try to be is more of like a bam out of bio role where he's Hmm. dealing with handoffs with all of our shooters and becoming a role threat and a a little bit of mid range and floater game. game. Because basically the catch and shoot three, did not look great in the playoffs mm. when it mattered. He did have a couple good months, I want to say, right before the Raptors playoffs where he was shooting like – his play was the uh, the reason we really made that playoff run and like and went from – because he was such a good defender and he was shooting like 40% on corner threes and, or catch yeah. threes. And that mix really made him a valuable two-way player. So he definitely needs something – some role offensively. and. Mm. I would cut him some slack in the sense that we haven't seen a ton of opportunity there for him. He had mm. Steve Clifford as coach where all we did was run post-ups through Vooch and, and some pick and rolls through Vooch. And so you won basketball like, games. You won basketball yeah, games. Steve we, Clifford, Dak we Texas, he maybe. wins basketball games. Yes. <laughs> You're going to get those four factors. Exactly. And, but he just didn't necessarily get a ton of opportunity, especially on ball with spacing to go create. Like, let's go see an ISO. Yeah. Like, he, he just doesn't have it. Versus this year, Franz Wagner might pass Isaac's career total in points this season because Oof. he's had so many opportunities, <laughs> was the stat I saw the other day. So, I mean, that's, that's not wild. what you want to hear. But, I mean, it shows how skilled Franz is, how available Franz is. And also, I, I really think opportunity is huge there because one of them gets to play on a terrible team and take as many yeah. shots as he wants. And the other one has to fill a small role where he barely shoots anything and has no on-ball opportunities at all, but he's playing a team-first defensive role. So I, I think that it's a little unfair, but that's just where we're at with him. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, RK, what can the good folks check out from you this week at Beyond the RK and anywhere else? Appreciate it. I, I'll be um, launching a newsletter this week on the Magic, a little update here on, on the season. So that should mm-hmm. come out any day now. And uh, thanks for having me, Chase. Thanks for being here, man. We'll have to check back in again soon. Absolutely. Fun time. Go Magic. All right. That'll do it for today's edition here on the Chase the Most Podcast. Thank you again to Beyond the Arcade for all things magic on this very podcast. Hope you enjoyed our conversation. And of course, Dalton Miller and Evan Swords for coming on the podcast to talk all things NFL. Hope you guys enjoyed it as well. If you did enjoy this podcast and you're already subscribed, but you have not already done so, go ahead and leave this show a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or however you get your podcast. It helps other people find the show and helps more than you know. Go ahead and do that today. March 29th. Do it today.
let us know. Uh, you can also email this very program at chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Any NFL stuff, NBA stuff, anything like that, anything, questions about the show, mailbag, opportunities, all that good stuff, chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, hit the Sports Renaissance Man. Yeah, Sports Renaissance Man, that's me, sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Type in your email. That simple. Uh, headquarters, chasethomaspodcast.com. Uh, as always, so make sure you check that out if you've not already done so. Um, and then, of course, follow me on Twitter, Chase underscore Thomas. Like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. And then watch us on YouTube. Yeah, we're on YouTube. Uh, let's keep growing the YouTube page, youtube.com. Type in the Chase Thomas Podcast, hit that subscribe button, share it out, all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, Uncle Derek, how to do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.